Thanks for joining us here at Thrive Church. We're a church passionate about moving people towards Jesus. For more information, go to our website, www.thrivechurch.co.za. Are you ready to receive the word this morning? So would you put your hand on your heart? And let's trust God to do what only He can do in our hearts. Hey, we're in a series called Wisdom. And uh, this week we wrap it up, Wisdom for Big Decisions. So let's pray. Father, we ask you. Would you grace us with a special sense of your presence now? Holy Spirit, we ask you to speak to us, to reveal yourself to us. Jesus, that your name would be lifted up, that uh, you would enable me to speak clearly, that you would help each one of us to receive this word clearly, and to be people who apply it and to do it. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. On the 28th of August, 1963, a man called Martin Luther King approached the podium near the Lincoln Memorial in Washington, D.C. to deliver a speech. Sensing the importance of the moment, King had stayed up the whole of the previous night, writing his speech out word for word, perfecting the phrasing and the wording of it, and he began to deliver the speech, but he was unaccustomed to delivering a speech um, word for word. He was much more accustomed as an African-American preacher to going with the Spirit and seeing what happens, you know. And he delivered the message, he delivered the speech, and as he did so, um, one line came out that he wasn't happy with, and it wasn't quite right, it didn't quite connect, and the audience sensed it, and he stopped, and he kind of checked, and looking at him, one of his friends, the singer Mahalia Jackson, she shouted out to him, tell them about the dream, Martin. So... He made a decision there and then to leave his notes to one side, and he made the decision to preach off the cuff, ending up delivering his I Have a Dream speech that went down in history as one of the most memorable of all time and changed the course of a nation. During the invasion of the U.S. state of Maryland in the September of 1862 during the American Civil War, The Confederate general, that's the general in charge of the southern states' armies, General Robert E. Lee, he declared or drafted Special Order 191. This outlined the moves that the army should make in preparation for this battle called the Battle of Antietam. Guess what happened? A copy of this order was given to Major General D.H. Hill, who decided to wrap his cigars in this order and then left them by mistake in his cigar box, never executing on those. But more importantly, the opposing army, the Union armies, got hold of his cigar box and read the orders that the army were about to make, the opposing army, and thwarted their plans. In the process, winning that battle of Antietam, which was the decisive battle in the U.S. Civil War. Isn't that amazing? Imagine if the southern states had won. We might still have had slavery up until not so long ago. On the night of April 14th, 1912, the watchman who's assigned to what they call the crow's nest, that's the top watch area at the top of a mast of a ship, was assigned his task atop or on top of the mast of a small little ship called the Titanic. However, Just before the Titanic left the port, the cruise company in charge of the Titanic made a decision to switch officers. They switched the officer in charge 
of the watch-out point, a man called David Blair, with another officer, Charles Lightroller. The decision to change was so sudden and made in such haste that David Blair forgot to hand over the keys to the locker that contained the binoculars for the watchman to use. Bottom line, the Titanic left the port with the watchman not having a set of binoculars with which to look for things like, for example, icebergs. <laughs> and we all know what happened two days later. Three decisions that changed history profoundly. Our decisions do affect our history. Our decisions do affect our future and the future of our kids' kids. Our decisions really matter. They really do. What I want to do this morning as we wrap up the series on wisdom is offer you as best as I can a framework for wise decision making. How to make wise decisions when the decisions are big and when the stakes are high and when things really matter as to whether we get this decision wrong or right. So in your, on your chairs, perhaps it's under your left butt cheek at the moment, there's a message outline. I want to encourage you to grab hold of that this morning. You'll find pens in the pen holders next to your chairs as well. And I want to encourage you to grab hold of that and to follow with me and to engage this morning by writing down a couple of the missing words in the outline just to keep us flowing nicely. But why have I given you the outline? I've given it to you because I want you to be able to have something to take away, something that you can use and have handy when you've next got a big decision to make. So put it on your fridge or on your dressing table or somewhere prominent that you'll see it often and remember it. And I pray that it would be useful to you in some way, that it would add some value to your life in some way in the future when you're looking to make big decisions. Everybody ready to go? Number one, first question I think we've got to ask is we must ask ourselves, does Scripture have anything to say on this? Your missing word in your outline is Scripture. Does Scripture say anything about this. Joshua 1 verse 8 tells us to study the book of instruction continually, right? Meditate on it day and night. So what? You'll be sure to obey everything that's written in it. Only then will you be prosperous and successful in all that you do. People think that they can be successful in life without referencing the word of God. What I want to suggest to us, church, is that scripture should be the first place we go when we're thinking about making a decision. And we should ask ourselves the question is, does Scripture say anything on this matter? Does it weigh in? Well, you might say to me, well, I don't know all of Scripture. How would I know that? Guess what? Google is a wonderful thing. You just go into Google and you go, what does Scripture have to say about marrying a person who doesn't love Jesus? What does Scripture say about going into business dealings with partners? Guess what? You're going to get a whole bunch of scriptures that are going to come up. Then you've got to use wisdom to work through those and to let them speak to you. Google's an amazing thing. My son Caleb, he says to me this, this morning, Dad, the Burj Khalifa is the tallest building in the world, right? I said, yes, my boy, it is. It's 812 meters tall, that building. Can you believe it? He says, can a falcon fly higher than the Burj Khalifa? I said, I don't know. I never really thought about how high falcons can fly. He says, well, ask Google. So, <laughs> ask Google, right? 
Scripture should be the first place that we go to. Number two, what do wise people have to tell me about this? What do wise people have to tell me about this? Watch what it says in Proverbs 11. People lose their way without wise leadership. But a nation succeeds and stands in victory when it has many good counselors to guide it. So important that we surround ourselves with people who can speak into a situation. Pastor Ken and I have got about four people that we would go to to ask them questions. They're further ahead than what we are. They've been places we haven't been. They've walked roads we haven't been. They've been in deeper valleys and higher mountains than what we've been. They've got wisdom to ask it. Do you know that you've got, there's wisdom available all over this room? If you're not in a life group, you should be in a life group connected in so that you can ask wisdom. There'd be people there who might have had experience in that area. Or you should ask some, a, an older person that you respect. Or you should ask one of your pastors or your life group leader. Ask people. You know what the thing is, church? We make decisions the way we live. Here's how we live in Johannesburg. Behind walls, behind electric fences, behind gates. We, we make decisions the way we live geographically. We make them in isolation. We make them with walls around us. We never invite people to speak into our decisions. We say, no, it's my life. I'm going to live my life the way I want to live my life. And so we end up living spiritually and emotionally like we live physically and geographically. And that's not a good thing for us. Invite somebody wise in. Ask them what they think. Number three, how will this affect me spiritually? 1 Corinthians 10, 23 says, Paul, he writes to the church in Corinth here and he says, hey, you say I'm allowed to do anything. He goes, but not everything is good for you. You say I'm allowed to do anything. But not everything is beneficial. When we make choices, we must make sure that we consider how this decision will affect our spiritual development. Will this move that you're proposing on making, will it take you to a place where there's a life-giving church? Is there an opportunity for your kids to be discipled in this place? Is there like a decent kids ministry that, that you're able to? Will this job, is it going to put so much pressure on your time? Is it going to pressurize you so much that it's going to squeeze out the devotional aspects of your life? Are you going to be able to have any time to spend with Christ at all? Or is it going to be pressure, pressure, pressure? The promotion that they want to give you. Now, promotions are great. We should aim for promotions. Just be careful that you know exactly what it's going to do for you pressure-wise. What, what's it going to remo- demand of you? What's it going to require of you? Have you considered how it's going to affect you spiritually? Is this job offer that you're going to take up in Timbuktu, where you're going to live six weeks in Timbuktu and one week back here, how's that, what's, what the, what's that going to do for your spiritual life? Yeah, yeah, but they're going to pay me U.S. dollars tax-free. Okay, so you're going to be wealthy materially and bankrupt emotionally and spiritually. Think about these things, hey. Well, still with me? Number four, how will this affect my family? Will this draw us closer to God or further from God? I can remember being in grade seven. My dad giving us the news one day, sat us down as a family, he said, hey guys, we're moving from Cape Town to Joburg. Because he got a cool job offer. Like, we looked at each other, we were three brothers, we all looked at each other like, this doesn't sound cool at all. He said, where are we going in Joburg? They said, Benoni. By the way, you know, Springs is such an important town, it gets something named after it, a whole day, Spring Day. <laughs> Next week's going to be Brackpan Day. And Benoni Day. So, I said, the only similarity between Cape Town and Benoni is the mine dump 
looks vaguely in the same shape as Table Mountain. That's it. You know, we never make decisions that, that only affect us. It always affects, obviously, our family very directly and very clearly. Any decision we make, we never make it, we never make it in isolation of our family. It always has a knock-on effect of our families. Ask yourself the question, how will this decision affect my family? And will it move us closer to God or further away from God? Is this going to be good for us spiritually or is this going to be bad for us spiritually? Is this going to increase the... Um, the level of difficulty to disciple my children, or is it going to make it easier? Are, are you with me this morning? So encouraged. There was a lady in our church, um, uh, a key member of our volunteer team. Her husband got an incredible offer in Australia, and they went to Australia. Guess what? First thing that she did was she she figured out where her kids are going to go to church. That's that's what it's about. Number five: Is this going to bring more peace or less peace to my life? Paul the Apostle, he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. He writes to the church, church in Thessalonica, uh, in 1 Thessalonians 4. He says, aspire, watch this, to lead a calm and peaceful life. Can you imagine living a calm and peaceful life in Joburg? As you mind your own business and earn your living just as we've taught you. Ask yourself the question, this decision that I'm going to make, is it going to bring more peace into my life or less peace? If I have this conversation with this person, is it going to bring more peace or less peace? If I put that thing on social media, is it going to create more peace or are you with me? If, I, if I buy this house, is it going to create more peace with my budget or less peace with my budget? If I buy that new car, it smells so nice. You know the smell of a new car? But the problem is, the payments on a new car last a lot longer than the smell on a new car. And everybody said? Especially if you've got kids. Then the puke in your car smells a lot. We've all been there, hey? More peace or less peace? Is this going to lead to peace or is this going to lead to... Con if I marry that person... They, they don't believe in Jesus, but I do. One day when we have kids, I'm going to want my kids to go to church. Is it going to create more peace in my marriage or less peace in my marriage? Yeah, yeah, but I'm going to change them. Once we get married, they're going to, they're going to, become, they're going to come to church and they're going to, become, they're going to love Jesus. Silly. Nobody ever changes anybody. Listen, if you ever think you're going to change anybody, abandon that thought straight away. Hands up if you've ever succeeded in changing anybody. Are you with me? More peace or? Is this consistent? Next question. Is this consistent with the way God wired me? Is this consistent with the way God's wired me? Yo, they've, my boss has offered me a promotion. He's given me a 50% increase. Do I take it or not? So what are you going to do in your new role? No, I'm going I'm to have to lead teams. Well, ask yourself the question, are you, a are you a people person? Are you a leader? Has God wired you with leadership gifting? Oh, uh, uh, they're offering me the position of sales director. I'm going I'm to have to learn how to sell. Well, are you an introvert or an extrovert? Are you with me? How's God wired you? Is this going to create more stress in your life or less stress? 
Does it fit with, I mean, if you had to say to me, hey, could you please become the facilities manager of this? I'm like, oh, sweet Jesus, help me. I can't even change a light bulb properly. You know? Ask yourself the question, am I, am I relational or am I more introverted? Am I task-orientated or do I love people? Am I a communicator or am I a quiet person? Pay attention to how God has wired you. Are you creative or are you more systematic? Are you analytical or are you uh, big picture? Ask how God has wired you. Number seven, am I paying attention to the risks? Proverbs 27.12 tells us, listen, a wise, shrewd person. If anybody ever calls you shrewd, tell them that's a compliment. It's actually not a bad thing to be shrewd. It says that person discerns the danger above and prepares himself, but the naive simpleton never looks ahead, and then they suffer the consequences. When making decisions, guys, it's, it's important to honestly assess the risk that's involved. You know, sometimes what can happen is we get like a golden carrot. We're like, oh, check the carrot. You know? We're like, oh, that looks amazing. They are, they're offering me a, a sign-on bonus of like a squillion rand. <laughs> I don't know what's beyond trillions. So I'm just like, got it. <laughs> Yo, what are they asking you? To, what, what are the risks associated with that? I'm going to start this business because this guy has approached me and he's given me this offer, but he says, I've only got two days to make the offer because he's got so many other people lining up to, to, to do it. So, so like, I, I think I should go for it because eh? if I don't move quickly, I'm going to lose out. What are the risks involved with this business partnership? Is he a Gupta or is he, what is he, you know? <laughs> are you with me? Just, I'm trying, now I'm involved in a, in a mess with, a, with another church. Guy decides, the pastor, he decides, hey, he's got, I'm going to sell the church building. They sell the church building, and they get X amount for it. And then I'm like, okay, so what happens to all the money? Give me a breakdown. Okay, well, 1.5 of it, we, we put in this investment. Ah, so t- tell me about this investment. No, it's an investment in Dubai. As if, like, Dubai is supposed to impress me. So I said, so well, tell me, so how much has it earned, and can we get the money out, and how liquid is the cash, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. What, you know? No, no, no. No. Refer to the letter from the lawyer. We, they're, they're under legal obligation not to be able to commit anything to any clients because they're not actually sure if they can get the money out. It's a pyramid scheme. Guess what? The financial advisor, the financial advisor, his head office is located in the agricultural holdings of Benoni. I'm like, nothing against Benoni. I'm from Benoni. I love Benoni. But I mean, I don't know if you want a financial advisor whose headquarters is plot number 63. Why would you do that? Like we didn't assess the risks. So you're going to get your money? I don't know. No, but they promised us 700% growth. Oh. If something's too good to be true. Number eight. Do I have total peace from God about this? Do I have total peace from God about this? Paul writes in Philippians and he says, hey, don't be pulled in different directions, okay, or worried about a thing. Be saturated in prayer. Isn't that a beautiful phrase? Be saturated in prayer throughout each day, offering your faithful requests before God with overflowing gratitude. 
Tell him every detail of your life and then God's wonderful peace that transcends human understanding will make the answers known to you through Jesus Christ. Here's the thing. Peace is so sought after in our society, isn't it? We all want peace. We, we just, we're craving peace. But I think it's underrated as a leading indicator of whether or not something's the right thing to do or not. Let me explain. When something's the right decision, you and I will be led by, we'll have in our lives, if we've got the Holy Spirit in our lives, if we're Christ followers, the Holy Spirit will put His peace in our lives. What's it? It's like a settledness. You just feel, ah, that's the right way. Pastor Trevor Hudson gave me a very helpful thing a few months ago. I said to him, hey, when you've got like a fork in the road and you're trying to decide, do I go this way or this way? Like, how do you make those big decisions? He said, well, something that he found helpful was this. He says, take the first decision, route decision A, and make that decision like mentally and emotionally and like make that decision and then live with it as if you've made that decision permanently. So you make the decision and then you live with it. Like the next day you actually begin like executing that decision and see how you feel. Like how, what is, does it fill you with peace? Do you feel good about it? You know? And then the next day you, you take the next option, like option B, and you, you make that decision as if you've made it permanently, spiritually, emotionally, you've kind of made that decision, and then you begin to execute that decision, and you live with that for a day or two, and you see which one settles you, which one gives you peace, which one makes you go, ah, this is the right way. Okay, and while you're testing it, don't spend any money either way, right, just... <laughs> Number nine, are the doors of circumstances clearly open here? I've given you the reference here for Acts 16. In that chapter, Paul and his, um, his missionary team that were around him, they kept facing like these closing doors. They kept wanting to go to Asia, to different places in Asia. He kept wanting to get back to the churches that he had, had started, and he kept trying to get back to the new, uh, get into new churches that he hadn't uh, had anything to do with. He kept trying to get there, but the doors kept closing. They kept, one after the other, they just kept shutting like this all the time. Finally, there was one door that opened. Guess what Paul did? He walked through that door. Sometimes God leads as much by closed doors as he does by open doors. And if the doors keep closing, you can take that as a leading indicator that maybe this is not the right thing. If you went for a job interview a month ago, and you keep having to follow up with the company. Hey, when are you going to make a decision? When are you going to make a decision? Chances are it's not the right job. Why? Because the door is not open. Walk through the open doors. I think circumstance is underrated as, a, as an indicator of decision making. If the, if the circumstances align themselves, then chances are it could be the right thing. Pastor Ken and I always say the best things in our life we never had to bash a door down to get it. We never had to go and kick, kick it open like Chuck Norris and, you know. It, it, the door opened. And then we walked through it. And, and another door opened here. And then you walk through it. You know. I didn't, like when Pastor Ken and I took over this church, we didn't, we didn't have to, we didn't go politic and, and behind the scenes like, like take Pastor Donovan out for dinner and schmooze him and, Take him for a massage and, oh, yeah, Pastor Stephen, Kathy are thinking of retiring. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, 
could we send you for a weekend away? You know, you know what I like. You know, that's that's bashing. That's schmoozing and manipulating and working the system and like, if you're having to do that, you know you're on the wrong track. Don't do it. If that promotion means you've got to be a skabanga behind the scenes, hey, don't do it. Don't do it. It's not an open door. Are you all being helped this morning? Number 10, ask yourself, is this the best time for this? In Romans 1, 9 to 13, I just gave you the reference there. Poor Paul, he was desperate to see the church in Rome, but he was prevented from doing so time after time after time. Why? Because God knew the timing wasn't right. It's not that God didn't want Paul to get to Rome. Paul did end up in Rome, and the poor man ended up executed in Rome. But the timing wasn't right. He didn't want him there then. Ask yourself the question, is this timing right? If so, how do you know it's right? Have you asked somebody wise to speak into whether the timing's right? Or are you, are you keen on this now because you've got itchy feet or because you're impatient or because some came and offered you an investment in Dubai and gave you 48 hours to make a decision? Are you with me? Ask yourself, is the timing right? Sometimes, sometimes the right decision made in the wrong time can end up being the wrong decision. So timing is as important as what it is that we end up doing. You all still with me? You're much more responsive than the first service. It's because you've had more sleep. You also look a lot better as well. Is it wise to get married now? Like, is this the right time? Why do you want to get married now? If it's just because you want to have sex now and you can't have sex because you're not married, that's not a good, not a good decision. Have you seen the person at the best and their worst? You know? Have you got a good reason for your timing? That's the question to ask. Number 11, am I willing to trust God if he asks me to step forward? Hebrews 11, 6 tells us, without faith living within us, it would be impossible to please God. For we come to God in faith, knowing that he's real, and he rewards the faith of those who give all their passion and strength into seeking him. If all else is in order, if you've been through the timing decisions, if you've had wise people come and speak to, into, if you've asked for advice, if you've discerned God, if scripture's spoken into it, if all of that's in place, and the only thing left for you to do is to make the decision, then you've got to have the faith to make the decision. If the only thing stopping you is your own fearfulness or your own nervousness, that's when you know it's a good time to make the decision. In short, if you're scared, witless about it, then that's the time to do it. It's always good to make decisions when it feels a little scary. What's not good to do is when it feels a little scary and you've received no wisdom, no counsel, no scripture on it, no prayer through it, no thought through it, no assessment of the risks. But if all of that's good and you're ready to go, then that's, that's the time. I can remember a few years ago, um, I was receiving a call to ministry like it felt so clear and that was in 2006 and then for seven years, um, Pastor Candice and I just try to figure this out. And we spoke to some people about it and we, we took advice on it, but there was just no open door. There was just no, like it just, and then suddenly things came together. 
And then we had to make a decision, okay, do we go now? Like, do, must I leave my job now and, and move now? And I just knew the time was right. But the only thing stopping me then was my own fear, my own, like, worry. And that's when the best time to make the decision is when all the other conditions are good and the only thing stopping you is a little bit of fear. Then that's the time to ask yourself the question, do I have the faith that God would ask me to make the decision now? Is it helpful this morning? Come, let's pray together, shall we? Before we pray, just have a look at the screens, James 1, 22, 22, 25. James writes and he says, listen, and he's writing to the church here, don't just listen to God's word. Don't come to Thrive Church on a Sunday morning and just listen. And now you've got an outline. So he could have written there, don't just listen and write. Right? Don't, don't sit on your bum. Listen and I'll go think about your cappuccino and what you're going to have for lunch. He says, what, what you've got to do is, what have you got to do? You've got to become doers. Put it into practice. So stick it on your fridge or hang it from your mirror or wherever. Keep it close and do it. Action it. Put it into practice and you'll become wiser. I'll become wiser. And I'll make better decisions and that'll benefit my children and my children's children and my children's children's children. Are you with me? Action step. Put on your paper just right there. Do this. Do this. Do this. I know it's very complicated. Just do this. Yes. Yes. Up in the balcony. Do this. Cool. Let's pray. The wisest decision you could ever make is to follow Jesus, to invite him into your heart and into your life. That's the wisest decision you could ever make. The reason why it's the wisest decision is because of the Bible says the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Fear of God, it's not, it's not just like trembling and, oh, God's up there and I'm down here. It's fear of God is to actually realize and get a revelation for your own life of who he is. So I'm gonna ask every head bowed and eye closed. I'm gonna give you an opportunity to respond. In just a moment, I'm gonna ask you to respond. I'm not gonna call you out. I'm not gonna make you stand up. I'm not gonna do anything weird. All I'm gonna ask you in a moment's time is just to slip up your hand so that I know who you are so I can pray for you because I'd love the great privilege of praying for you. I'm gonna pray for you to make that decision to follow Jesus, to invite him into your life, to give your life to him, to make a decision to take the reins, hands off of the reins of your life and to give them to him, to let him start to lead, to let him start to guide. You're making a decision to, to be with Jesus. You're making a decision to become like him and to do what he did. You're making a decision to turn away from some of the stuff that you know hasn't been wise and to step into a brighter future with him. You're making a decision to repent of. You're making a decision to turn away from. Do a 180 degrees from any of the stuff that you've done that hasn't been helpful or beneficial or wise in your life. I'd love the great privilege of praying for you this morning if you want to receive Jesus. So in just a moment's time, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand on the count of three and all over the room. I'm going
going to see hands go up and I'm going to pray for you. Is that okay? You're ready on the count of three. One, two, three. If that's you this morning, hands up, hands up, hands up all over the show. Thank you. God bless you guys there. Thank you down that side. Thank you up in the balcony. Thank you up in the balcony. Thank you down the side over here. Thank you. God bless you guys. Thank you over here. God bless you. Come keep responding. Keep responding. Thank you, ma'am. I'm there in the blue. I can see you. Thank you, ma'am, under the balcony in the back there. Thank you, ma'am, under the balcony in the back there. Thank you. That's great. Thank you, ma'am, on the side over here. Uh, lady in the denim jacket with the white shirt. Thank you so much. Thank you, sir. Thank you, young man at the back over there. Thank you. Up on the balcony on this side. Thank you. Come, keep responding. People are responding. There's such an atmosphere of faith. If you haven't responded yet, thank you, young man over here. Thank you, young lady at the back. I can see you. There's lots and lots of people responding. Thank you, sir, on the side over here. The pink and red luck shirt color there. Thank you. I can see you. church we're going to pray together the reason why we pray together is so that these people who've made this decision can have a community around them giving words to what's going on in their hearts so we're going to pray together right we're going to pray like the 10 o'clock okay we're going to pray together we're not going to pray half-hearted we're going to pray a, a full-hearted prayer to god are you ready let's pray father god thank you so much for your great love jesus thank you that you died just for me for my sin, for my shame, for my poor decision making, for my hang-ups and my mess-ups. And I thank you for that. This morning, I repent. I turn away from all of those things. Anything that's not wise or God-honoring or pleasing to you. And I open my life to you. I ask you, would you flood my life with your spirit in Jesus' name? And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. This message was recorded live at Thrive Church. We hope that it inspired you to move towards Jesus.